0: Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more
1: great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. So our first reading is Psalm 96. And there's a whole lot of imperative case. So if you know the phrase, be not just hearers of the word, but doers, there's a good one for that. So sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, Sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among the peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Then all the trees of the forest will sing for joy. They will sing before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. And our second reading is 1 Corinthians 9, and it's the section which is 13 through 23. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple, and those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. But I have not used any of these rights, and I am not writing this in the hope that you will do such things for me. I would rather die than have anyone deprive me of this boast. Yet, when I preach the gospel, I cannot boast, for I am compelled to preach. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. If I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. If not voluntarily, I am simply discharging the trust committed to me. What then is my reward? Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge and so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible, I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings.
0: Thanks very much, Cindy. Good morning, everyone. It's nice to see you all here this morning. I'm Simon. Uh, People call me Jacko around here, lead pastor here at City Light Church, North Adelaide. Um, Thanks for, I'll just add my welcome to that of Richard's and to that of Nick's. Um, I'm really excited uh, about getting into Deuteronomy as of next week. Uh, it's a wonderful book of the Bible. It's, um, it's one of the first five books of the Bible. It's really foundational to not just the, the faith and the life of God's original people, the Israelites, but it's actually really foundational to us as believers on the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, Jesus loved the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, he quoted it a lot he he drew great strength from the book of deuteronomy so my sort of thing is if it's good enough for jesus it's good enough for us Uh, and it's going to be wonderful to work through that over sort of about a three-month period or thereabouts uh, interspersed with a couple of things along the way Um, just to add to nick's comment as well about our annual family meeting uh, you know if you're in business and things like that you'll have things called annual general meetings agms Um, our Annual family meeting is effectively like our AGM. Uh, So it's where we look back on. how God has worked in our church over the past 12 months, and we sort of then look forward to how God might be working in our church in the next four months. Uh, we sort of think a little bit about finances as well, so we sort of look back on how things have gone financially in the last year, and then present the budget for the coming year, etc. So um, it's not all boring, right? Um, it's actually really great to celebrate together how God has worked in our church and how we hope and pray that He will work amongst us in the in the time to come. So. Um, There'll be good food, it'll be good time together, um, sort of following on from our gathering on that Sunday the 29th. There you go. Um Please keep open 1 Corinthians 9, if you would. Uh, we're, in, we're wrapping up our foundation series today. Uh, we've been uh, spent the last three weeks just thinking about uh, what are some key building blocks that will help us build a faith that lasts, that goes the distance. And uh, we've looked at, way back a few weeks ago, we've looked at the place of music and singing in the life of us as individual Christians, but also as a family of believers. Uh, we've thought about the Word of God, how that is a foundation for our Christian lives uh, we've thought last week about prayer, today we're thinking about mission or evangelism uh, and how that fits in. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Uh, loving Father, we ask that you would speak into our lives this morning. Uh, Lord, thank you for the encouragement that it is to be together, uh, to chat and to sing, uh, to, to worship Father, thank you for the privilege that it is to sit and listen to you, our God and King, address us. So help us to listen and to act. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, In John's Gospel, one of the the accounts of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ that we find in the Bible in John chapter 20 in the gospel of John when Jesus appears to his disciples after he's risen from the grave after conquering death he pronounces peace upon the disciples and the very next thing he says to his disciples is as the father sent me so I am sending you the father has sent me so I am sending you God the son sent by God the father left the glory and the comfort and the beauty and the joy of the heaven in order to seek and save the lost in that sense God is a going God in Jesus he goes to those who need him God's people in turn those saved by the blood of Jesus who trust in the Lord Jesus Are a going people. We are those who've been sent by Christ to make him known. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. This is one of the main tasks that God has given to his church. And an important part of the calling of every follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. We follow Jesus in his world, obeying his command to make him known to others. The earliest believers, right, took this command really, really seriously. The book of Acts, which we looked at some time ago as a church, is the story of how Christ worked through ordinary men and women in the first century to build his church as he promised that he would do. It's a story of explosive growth. Acts tells us of the word of God increasing, the number of followers of Jesus multiplying, and the message of Christ, the gospel, prevailing, despite all kinds of obstacles, hurdles, persecutions, etc., and so on. Now, every lead pastor, lead elder, vicar, minister, whatever your background and however you talk about people who sort of look like me or operate like me, Every person like me knows that there are two topics which make Christians break into a cold sweat. Um, The first one is prayer, which we looked at last week. I don't know if you're still recovering from sweating from last week. I hope not. I hope it wasn't that overwhelming. And the second one is evangelism. These are areas in which most believers, myself included, feel fairly inadequate And when we do, we've grasped exactly half of the truth, right? We are entirely inadequate on our own in these things. But the other half of the truth is that when God asks us to do something for him, he always equips us with everything we need to be able to do it. Without Jesus, without God, we can do nothing. But it's also true that we can do all things through him who strengthens us. That means the church's calling to mission, our calling to mission at City Light Church, North Adelaide, whether it's our calling to mission as as foreign missionaries 10,000 kilometers away, somewhere across the other side of the world, or personal evangelism, sharing Jesus, I don't know, in your own living room, house, workplace, university, it's not something for us to fear. He calls every one of us and he equips every one of us The central question is this, whether we have confidence in the gospel itself. There's an old story about an American shoe company which sent a salesman to a foreign country. He'd hardly arrived when he sent back a message um, for money so he could go home. It's hopeless, he reported. No one over here wears shoes. The company brought him home. They sent another salesman over. Salesman immediately sent a message to them send me all the shoes you can make the market is absolutely unlimited no one here has any shoes on our generation faces a stark choice when it comes to evangelism the vast majority of the people who live in the western world have no living faith in the lord jesus christ no inkling that they even need him Many people do realise that they are longing for something else, something more, but they're not breaking down the doors of churches to find out about Jesus, right? If anything, in our culture, our culture tends to to mock Christianity and it mocks our evangelistic efforts. They say it's ridiculous. They denounce it maybe as being offensive or even dangerous. Um, God's favourite atheist, um, Richard Dawkins, thinks that we are dangerous with the message that we have. So we can respond in two ways, right? We can feel, the first is to feel overwhelmed by it all. That's the first response. Ground's too hard, task's too hopeless, no one is interested. There's no point in telling people because no one's listening. The alternative is to look at the 21st century and the people around us and say, everyone here needs Jesus. They may not know it. But that just means we need to start further back and be a bit more patient as we explain who he is and why Jesus is supremely important. We must remember, though, that the gospel is true and that it's deep, it is the deepest need of every single man, woman and child on the face of the earth. We must remember that the gospel is powerful and that God is actually still in the business of seeking and saving the lost. So, as we consider the foundations of evangelism this morning, we are going to think about the why, the what, the who, and the how. Okay? The why, the what, the who, and the how of evangelism. So, if you're a note taker, there's your four titles the why, the what, the who, the how. We'll work through that, and then we'll press on. The why. We need to consider why of mission, why is it important? And there's just two keywords there, need and necessity. Need and necessity. The ultimate reason, as with everything in life, that we would do mission is ultimately the glory of God, right? We exist to glorify him in all that we do. And he is glorified as men and women are saved by his amazing grace. But more than that, like why why mission? Need and necessity. I don't know if you felt the urgency from Paul when Cindy read out 1 Corinthians 9 verses 13 and following for us this morning. There's a definite urgency that gripped Paul in his gospel work. He had a deep conviction that people need the gospel because apart from Christ, they will eternally die. If that's not true, right, then we Christians are fools, All the ministry and mission of our churches, all the the ministry and mission of our church is is, largely a waste of time, waste of money and effort. On the other hand, if it is true that we're all hurtling towards an, an eternity either with or without God and that the difference is how we respond to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is nothing more important in the world than to make the good news of Jesus known we're not passionately longing for those we love to come to Christ then I would say we really haven't understood the gospel there's a reason why Jesus walked deliberately to his death on the cross it was the only way to accomplish his life's work to seek and save the lost it follows that the only way to be saved is to turn to him in faith and so forgive and receive forgiveness in new life We've got to confess our sin, repent of it, seek forgiveness on the sole ground that Christ died for us. It's the ultimate need of every single human being. It's why there is necessity placed upon us as followers of Jesus living in this place to make Jesus known, which is how Paul puts it in verse 16. I don't know if you saw it. For necessity is laid upon me, Paul says. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Many years ago, um, I was happily studying to be a physiotherapist, uh, and then practicing as a physio for a little while. Um, I really loved—I loved studying to be a physiotherapist. I really enjoyed working as a physiotherapist. But um, one day, I happened to come across John Stott's book, *Cross of Christ*. Anyone read John Stott's book, *Cross of Christ*? It's a good book. And one of the things that the Lord kind of impressed upon me and called me was like that there was this there's this inescapable necessity to make Jesus known and I felt this sense I want to be part of that the sheer truth and importance of the gospel kind of gripped my heart and I felt compelled to make it known woe to me if I failed to do so now, I don't want to suggest for a moment, brothers and sisters, that if you're really serious about making Jesus known, that you'll necessarily become like me. You know, kind of move on from the career you've trained all your life to do and then sort of give yourself to full time gospel work. I'm not saying that. It might apply to some of us. But my greatest hesitation in leaving physiotherapy was my knowledge of how badly my colleagues I worked with and the patients I treated needed Jesus. We need Christians in absolutely every walk of life. We need to be Christians who sense the necessity of making Jesus known wherever we happen to be. I consider Paul's sense of urgency when he insists that uh, 1 Corinthians 9 verse 12, we endure anything rather than put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. Or describes his willingness, verse 22 of chapter 9, to become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I'll do anything, he says, to make the gospel known. This is how great the need is on the part of not yet Christian men and women. This is how great the necessity is on the part of us, God's people, to make Jesus known. Well, if that's the why... What's the what? What is the content of our evangelism to be, our our message? Well, Paul's answer is really clear in chapter 9. It's gospel, 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 gospel. Yeah, It's unmistakable. In the first part of the passage, in the space of seven verses, the word gospel comes up seven times. The gospel is what people need and the gospel is what Paul feels compelled to share and preach and proclaim. This is the key to mission. That's one of the reasons, the main reasons why mainline churches in the Western world have declined so significantly and perhaps catastrophically in the last half century. Huge swathes of established churches all over the world have lost confidence in the good news of Jesus. And we don't... We don't like talking about sin or mentioning the holiness and judgment of God or suggesting that Jesus is the only way that we can be right with God. We don't like talking about the need for repentance, turning back to God or wholehearted commitment to Jesus and obedience to his word. The problem is though, if you remove those things, you kind of lose the gospel. If there's no such problem as sin, well then salvation is superfluous if there's no judgment it's unnecessary if there are other ways to God it's, it's optional there's certainly no urgent need to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ if being Christian is simply about being a nice person then Jesus has very little to do with it because I don't know about you but there are millions of nice people in the world Yeah. the church in our day are. Oh, I think we've lost confidence in the essentials of the gospel. And as a result, we've kind of, I think at times, lost our way and sort of now question why we even exist. Our calling is to be ambassadors for Christ, taking his message to the world and imploring men, women, and kids to be reconciled to God through him. I remember one day we've got three children 10 7 and 4 we pray with our kids every night before we go to bed and I remember one night um, praying uh, with Sebastian he's our seven-year-old I said to so let's pray Baz and we sat down we started praying and uh, I said Baz I started praying I said Heavenly Father I pray that one day my son Sebastian right here would grow up to be a mighty ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ and the next night, I was sitting down with Baz, and we, you know, he was off to bed, and he said, can I pray tonight, Dad? And I said, yeah, sure, man. So he goes, Heavenly Father, I pray that I grow up to be a mighty ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And then he went to bed. That's <laughs> what um, so we're called to be, right? Ambassadors of Christ. And the mission of the church is shaped, the mission of our church is shaped by the gospel message and by the need and necessity that so gripped the Apostle Paul. If we are to communicate this to others, we need to be clear ourselves on what the good news of Jesus is. We need to be clear, for example, that it's a message that is good news. It's not good advice about how to get right with God, but good news about how Jesus has made it possible for us to be right with God. It's not a demand to be obeyed. It's a gift to be received. We also need to be clear that, that although the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ does call us to a new lifestyle empowered by the Spirit to live for Jesus, the gospel is not primarily about lifestyle. You're not a Christian because you go to church or you live a moral life. A Christian is someone who trusts in Jesus Christ and so believes the gospel. I don't know about you, but the gospel is difficult to summarize in a few words. So I'm gonna give you a chance to turn to the person next to you. I'm gonna give you, I'll be generous today, um, 47 seconds turn to the person next to you and ask them tell me the gospel all right and if you don't know what the gospel is get in quick and ask the person next to you and say can you tell me the gospel okay i'll give you 47 seconds turn to the person next to you what is the gospel have a quick chat i won't get everyone to yell it out um i think at one level right the the gospel is incredibly simple uh but is also quite complex and profound right it just has you know plumb you can't ever plumb the depth of the gospel but at the reality is it's it's um it is quite simple Um, we won't hear back from you but um i think it is the gospel can be really challenging to summarize in a few words it's you know it's a bit like a diamond right it's just got all these different facets and reflections and things like that but it's core that the gospel is glorious good news that although we are sinners who've rebelled against our creator, Jesus died for our sins. He's risen again to new life, declaring that he is Lord of lords and King of kings. Jesus took in himself the death that we deserve for our rebellion against God. He then rose to a new, perfect, never-ending life and he invites you and me into that life through faith in his work. And right now, By his spirit, he's put that new life within us if you're a follower of Jesus so that we have a new life to live now and a perfect life to enjoy forever. This is the message God's people have been commissioned to proclaim and where it is absent, where it's unclear or or even just assumed and never stated, the church loses all sense of what it exists for loses its sense of mission, and inevitably decline comes. So there's a desperate need for the gospel to go out. One of the things, this is, again, I'm, I'm running off script here, and this is always a dangerous thing to do for me, not only because it ends up being like we finish church at 4 p.m. in the afternoon, um, but yeah, yeah. Um, i've been thinking about this for a while the spirit's been stirring in me for a while that i think here at city light church north adelaide i think we do community really well like i think we are an incredibly hospitable welcoming church uh, you know most people if you're new welcome to church most new or newish people who i talk to say "I us love this community people are so lovely you know and i'm like that's because they're like me no um but people are just so really warm and welcoming, and I just feel a part of this. You know, I get a coffee when I come in, and I sit down on a semi comfortable chair, and people are really lovely. I think we do, you know, we have lunch. I mean, bring back community lunch, right? Like, let's just get rid of COVID and get eating together again. But, you know, we do community really well. I absolutely believe that. But I think one of the things we need to kind of really grasp as a church is this desire to proclaim the good news of Jesus together and individually that's just that's what that's what the Lord has laid on my heart you may not agree but I feel like we are we are are strong on community but I think we could be as a church community stronger on reaching out to the lost with the good news of Jesus with this message Um, yeah that's been on my heart and so we've looked at what the gospel is what about who who are we taking this gospel to the two words are nations and neighbors from the beginning the program was that the good news of the lord jesus christ would be made known in jerusalem and then into the surrounding regions of judea and samaria and then to the ends of the earth who knows the reference for that acts 1 8 -8. beautiful look at that wonderful The gospel starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and right to the ends of the earth. If if the gospel is, right, the deepest need of every single man, woman, and child on planet earth, that means it needs to go everywhere. It needs to go to the nations. Uh, Foreign mission is a hugely important part of the church's work. Christianity, brothers and sisters, is not a Western thing. It is a global thing, and it always has been. Um, Rebecca McLaughlin, in her really excellent book, Confronting Christianity, which she published in 2019, um, which I know many of us have read, she says this, calling Christianity Western is like calling literacy Western. The idea that Christianity is a diversity-resistant white Western religion of privilege is utterly irreconcilable with the New Testament. She goes on, Christianity is the most ethnically, culturally, socioeconomically and racially diverse belief system in all of history. Christianity, oh that was the end of the quote by the way, Christianity originated in the Middle East and then Paul was appointed an apostle to the Gentiles, that means the non-Jewish people, people from the nations, in other words appointed to make the gospel known to the rest of the world. People often assume, right, that no one realized long ago that there were different religions in different parts of the world. We only discovered that with increased exploration from the 15th century onwards. And now, those of us who are enlightened understand that people in different parts of the world find their way to God by different means. It's nonsense. In Acts 17, for example, Paul's preaching in the city of Athens, a city characterised by worship of countless gods. What does he say? Acts 17, verse 30. The times of ignorance got overlooked, but now he commands people everywhere to repent because he's fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man who he has appointed, Jesus, and of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Paul is saying that Jesus Christ is going to judge all people everywhere and so all people everywhere need to be right with God through him. There are millions and millions of people throughout the world who've never heard a clear presentation of the good news of Jesus. We as God's people play a role in putting that to right. You and me. I spent about 13 years um, living in Sydney um, studying physiotherapy working as a physio and then studying at theological college and we were part of a little church Adele and I in the suburb of Croydon in the inner west of Sydney and uh, you know back when I was younger when I was very zealous for the Lord Jesus Christ you know unlike today no um, I, I just I just I wanted to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and so in the suburb next to Croydon was a little suburb called Ashfield and it was this melting pot of culture of um, subcontinental men and women and um, people from mainland China Um, it was amazing like yeah it was just the most brilliant place and I just had this idea one day I want to go and tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and so every Saturday afternoon you might think this is nuts right every Saturday afternoon I would go into the um, the food court of the Ashfield Mall, um, and I drag along with me an unsuspecting member of my church. Come, come with me for a walk into the Ashfield Mall. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, sure, Jacko. Off we'd go, you know. Like, and we go into the Ashfield Mall, and we'd walk. I just would walk up to people who are eating their delicious noodles and hot dogs and, you know, falafel. I just walk up and say, Oh, g'day. How are you going? Um, my name's Simon. I'm from the local Anglican church. I'm keen to talk to you about Jesus. What do you reckon? And people would just look at me. <laughs> who are you? No, no, because they were really nice. Oh, not right now. I'm halfway through my like my noodle dish, but maybe come back later. But it was. Um, I say that because there were some moments. Right, we had these people. There were people in this suburb who just who literally had landed from like mainland China, you know, moments ago, who'd never heard about the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remember several times just being able to sit with people and talk about Jesus a person and his work that they'd never heard about before. Now, I'm, you know, no one, as far as I know, sort of dropped to their knees on that floor and gave their lives to Jesus on that moment, right? It, they probably said, thanks for leaving, you know, but, but it was just incredible. There are thousands, millions of people who've just never heard about Jesus. And we can play a part in that. We can play a part in that. And secondly, Our neighbours. It's possible that you might be called to overseas missionary work. Um, part of me longs that this church would be emptied at one level of people who just feel this call to go to the far reaches of the world when we can travel again. But most of us, most of us will have a mission field much closer to home. You know, of the millions in the world who've never heard a clear presentation of Christ, we rub shoulders with many of them every day. You know, it might be your neighbours, your colleagues at work, students you study with, even your own family. Some have heard and rejected the gospel, but many have just simply never heard it. Perhaps God has placed us where we are so that in and through us, people might finally hear the good news of Jesus. And if we don't tell them, who will? We need to think about the the people that God has placed in our lives. Like for people like me, for some of us here who who have children, that is our primary mission field at home. Perhaps it's our grandkids if that's the stage of life you're at. There are others here, like people we meet at the school gate, people in the office, people in the staff room, people who you ride bikes with. I don't know. There's all kinds of options. In these contexts, we need to remember the centrality of the gospel and the urgency of getting the message to people. That doesn't mean, by the way, that we become obnoxious bores who never let up about the gospel, so that people go, I'm just going to avoid him for the rest of my life at this workplace. Let's not become obnoxious bores who never let up. We need wisdom and grace. But let's not also just sit idly by while people head towards an eternity which is uncertain or even worse. That's the who, the nations and our neighbours. Finally, what about the how? How? What about the how? How are we going to share the gospel? I've got two words there, showing and sharing. Again, we live in an age uh, which is resource rich and there are many, 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 many books and many more resources to help us share our faith. In the end though, two essential ingredients are essential for personal evangelism and and they are showing and sharing. There needs to be a showing of the gospel in the way that we live and a sharing of the gospel by the words that we speak, brothers and sisters. Only by this will people come to understand what the Christian message actually is and have the opportunity to respond to it. Both elements, I'm thoroughly convinced, are necessary if we show God's love to others, genuinely build relationships, care for one another and live our godly Christian lives before people and yet never say that we are Christians or seek to to share our faith with them, then we're not really doing evangelism at all. If all we do as a church is engage in all sorts of mercy ministries and social justice projects, but never proclaim Christ and him crucified, how will people ever know the source of life and love that we have? But on the other hand, there's a way to declare the truth of the gospel, which has far more to do with self-righteousness than with compassion for the lost. If we just resolutely proclaim the message of the bible but consistently fail to build relationships with believers through which they can come to know and respect and trust us why would they want to listen to us if we share that god is a god of compassion but fail to show that through mercy ministry why would anyone believe that the gospel changes hearts and lives It's one of the key things to grasp when it comes to personal evangelism. You you may well feel entirely inadequate to share the gospel with anyone. Most of us do. However, for the vast majority of Christians, evangelism doesn't come out of giftedness. It comes out in the context of relationship, being connected to people. They'll listen when they hear it from people who don't hide their faith away. but are open about their faith and make it clear that it's just part of who we are. These things earn a hearing. They open doors. You know the rapid growth of the early church recorded for us in the book of Acts happened because Christians in the 1st century were thrilled to the core about what they discovered in Jesus. They were amazed by grace. They were excited by the gospel and it was the most natural thing in the world for them just to tell the people who they were around. I love that sense of like in Acts, you know, they're in one city and the government clamps down and they get run out of town and they set up in a new city, they've got their mark in the marketplace, they put their stall up and they're just working and embrace the gospel and they just happen to be sharing it with the people next to them. God is sovereign in salvation. Dramatic conversions do happen. But research suggests that the average period now for someone, for their first encounter with a Christian, to them potentially giving their life to Christ, putting their faith in Jesus, is about four years now. That represents a lot of patient, relationship building, a lot of prayer, a lot of care, and a lot of love. More than ever in this age, which is really suspicious of any truth claim, let alone Christian truth claims, people need Christians in their lives who will both share and show the gospel. That's our responsibility. Let me wrap it up. Let me wrap it up. We've, we've thought a bit about today uh, the why, the what, the how and the, and the who, let me wrap it up. I shared this yesterday at a wedding, but um, I'll share it again with you. I hope, I don't know, I hope you haven't missed in the last couple of weeks one of the biggest events that's happened in just the last two weeks. No, it wasn't the Tokyo Olympic Games or the announcement that Brisbane will host the Olympic Games in 2032. The biggest event to take place in the last two weeks was The beginning of Australian Survivor anyone with me I know one person in the room is oh two here we go yes Megan yeah oh Christine I'm I feel like I'm amongst friends the biggest event was the start of Australian Survivor now now one of the new contestants on Australian Survivor his name is his name is George now there's debate about this but you know I'll just share my thoughts George is a new contestant I think he is one of the most annoying people on the planet Um, during one of the tasks uh, early on Australian Survivor um, the the team that he was on were making a complete mess of things Um, and George was standing on the sidelines watching his team and he's going they're doing it wrong they're doing it wrong I know they're doing it wrong I know how to do this they're doing it wrong I can show them and as I'm lying there watching this in my truck pants and very old smelly sweater i think with my most passionate voice i'm sitting there screaming just tell them george you're so annoying just go and tell them like if you know how to do it if you've got how you know the know-how just tell them go over it's very frustrating right to watch someone who knows the truth and he won't actually speak it brothers and sisters let's live out And declare the staggering good news of of God's grace and mercy to us in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to winsomely, creatively, persistently, confidently and faithfully hold out the life-changing gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to everyone. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. May it be so for us. Should we pray? Let's pray. Uh, loving Jesus, in your mercy, work in us. Loving Father, enable us to be men and women who continue. To be gripped by your amazing grace for us. And Father, help us to be men and women who, knowing the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ, hold out the health bringing, life giving gospel truth to all people near and far. Help us to share the gospel, help us, Lord, to show the gospel. Produce in us, Father, a greater and greater passion for the Lord Jesus. Father, would you shield us from discouragement and Father, so equip us by your grace that we would not be daunted as we seek to share the good news, this wonderful good news, with our friends, our family, our colleagues, our neighbours. And Father, I just pray this morning for anyone in the room who perhaps for the first time being here has heard the good news of Jesus. That without Christ, they fear facing an uncertain or worse eternity. And I pray, Father, that you'd so work in your, these, these people's hearts by your spirit to draw them to Christ this morning. But, Father, for those of us who do know Jesus, again, we pray that you'd equip us to winsomely and creatively and confidently and faithfully hold out the good news of Jesus. At home, at work, at rest, at play.